What a beautiful prayer. God, we're, we're not enough without you, Jesus. We know that God is faithful. We know that God is true. We put our trust in God and he hears us and he responds and he meets us right where we're at. Even when we're going through the hard things, even when it seems like it's a mess, even if God is faithful. Jesus, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. God, thank you for meeting us right here, right now, in this room, in this place. Oh God, you are so good. You are so good. We love you, God. We can't say it enough. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. Oh, we look, we look to you and we just, we lift your name up high, Jesus. Have your way in this place. Come meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for being here with us. You can have a seat, turn to someone, and just tell them, even if, even if. Hey, so before we jump into the message, uh, I want to tell you about Feed 5,000. Feed 5,000 starts this week, Monday. Here it comes. Are you ready? Nobody's ready. I'm ready. There we go. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Feed 5,000, if you're not aware of what Feed 5,000 is, if you're, you're new, uh, Feed 5,000 is something that we've done for quite a few years, uh, more than probably 15, I think. Um, and we come together, and we get food together, and we pack it in boxes, and then we distribute it to the community. We do this in partnership with Food for Hope, which is an organization uh, that we started here at Thorn Creek Church uh, because of Feed 5,000. We recognized uh, we would do this Thanksgiving project. We would swoop in, and we would feed people, and we realized, you know what? We could do this every week. We could not just come in like Superman, but let's be a part of our community. Let's be a presence. And so that's where Food for Hope started. And so we partner with Food for Hope and we do Feed 5,000. We're actually going to feed well over 5,000 people, probably close to 10,000 people this year. Uh, that is amazing. Absolutely. Hey, so one of the things that we've done at Thorn Creek, we've had a goal to raise uh, sponsorships for 300 boxes. And we are at 282 as of uh, this last Monday. Yeah. So put your hands together for that. We're almost there. So if you want to still uh, sponsor a box, you still want to do that, you can do that. Go to feed5000.gives and you can sponsor a box there for $35. And then, like I said, it starts on Monday. So here's the schedule. Here's where you can participate. One, we're participating by donating and sponsoring boxes. Two, we're donating by volunteer or we're or helping by volunteering. So here's the schedule for this next week that you need to know about. Uh, Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m., we will be packing boxes here. This is a, a Thorn Creek-only event. So there's other packing nights and, and opportunities that are happening. Those are open to the public because we want Feed 5000 to be a huge community thing. Uh, but we have a dedicated packing night for Thorn Creekers. So make sure you are here on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And then on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we're going to be packing up our care kits. These are kits that we're going to take downtown uh, on Sunday. 
Sunday and give to people who are experiencing homelessness. They're going to have toothbrushes and, and soap and, and all kinds of things like that, some protein bars and things like that in there. So we're going to pack those all up on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. And then Sunday, after church services at 2 p.m., we're going to go downtown Denver and we're going to hand out boxes to people who live in apartments that are owned by the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. These are people who are coming out of homelessness and are, are stepping forward and, and making strides to, to, to be on their own. And so we're going to give them boxes. And then we're also going to take those care kits and we're going to pass those out uh, to people who are down there uh, who don't have a home. And they can utilize those gloves and those warm hats and those uh, toothbrushes and that kind of thing. So don't miss out on being a part of Feed 5000. Make sure you take a picture of that schedule. Make sure you're paying attention to your texts this week and your emails because we want you to be a part of it. We are loving on our community, and this is a great way uh, to just show the love of God to those who may not know him, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be a part of it. All right, that's all we've got for Feed 5000. Make sure you're a part of that. My name is Jeremy. Uh, I'm the infrastructure pastor here at Thorn Creek Church, and I have this opportunity, this privilege, uh, to deliver the message today. Pastor Reuben, our lead pastor, is down in Colorado Springs right now, and he is helping celebrate a 10-year anniversary of a Samoan church down there. And uh, it's called Rock Kingdom, I believe, uh, Church. And they are celebrating 10 years, and so they've invited him down there to speak to them, to encourage them, uh, because he knows what it's like to start and plant a church and, and hit that 10-year mark, and, and what does it look like for the next 10 years? So he's down there, uh, and he's going to be delivering a message this weekend for them. So make sure you keep him in your prayers um, and keep them in your prayers as they look forward to the next 10 years. Uh, and then also pray for me as I deliver this message. The Lord has put it on my heart. Um, it's really an exciting message. I, I'm ready to get into it. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you, um, to be in this room to experience your love and your grace. God, would you, uh, would you move? Would you move? I know you've already been moving, and I just pray you would continue to do so, God. We lift up Pastor Reuben and ask that you would uh, anoint his message for this weekend uh, and use him in a mighty way to encourage that church down in Colorado Springs. I pray uh, for... All of our veterans, God, as we remember those who've, who've put their lives on the line for us, that we can be in this place without fear, uh, without persecution, and we can praise your, your name. God, would you have your, your way in their lives, in their families' lives, God? I know that many have, have fallen. Would you, would you comfort families, and, and would you just uh, be close to those uh, who have served our country, God? Be here now and... Speak through me, God. We've worked on this message this week, and God, I know it's a, it's a, it's a very personal one for me, um, but God, if there's anything I need to skip, just let me skip. If there's anything you need to bring to my mind, bring it to my mind. We give this time to you in worship, and we pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to look at something that I believe every single person in this room uh, knows something about. Uh, no one is exempt from this, uh, and that is trouble, that is struggle, that is suffering and challenges in life. We all experience it. Uh, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter where you were born, what your social status is, how much you make, uh, what your financial status is, it doesn't matter. 
Uh, we all participate in this human condition, which is suffering. We live in a fallen world, and we have all experienced some sort of, of trouble in our lives. It doesn't matter what you do or anything like that. And some of us have experienced it more than others. And some of us have, have only experienced a little bit. Some of us have, 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 have gone through major, major changes and major challenges in our lives. But as I thought about that this week, one of the, the people from the Bible that really stuck out to me when we talk about trouble and we talk about struggles and we talk about suffering is, is a guy named Job. And if you look in the Bible, you'll find the book of Job is in the Old Testament. Um, it starts uh, right before the, the Psalms. It's kind of the beginning of the poetry section of the Old Testament. And, and this, this is one of the earliest written uh, books of the Bible. Scholars believe it is, is kind of the first. And it's a story of a, of a man who is a follower of God, who, who's a God-fearing man. And he goes through some crazy stuff. When you look in the first chapter... The first 14 verses explain who Job is. He's a righteous man. He loves the Lord. He gives offerings many times to the Lord. In fact, he loves the Lord so much that he recognizes that his children sometimes may do things that the Lord doesn't like. So he offers offerings for them as well. Like he cares so much about his family and about righteousness and about God's holiness that he even gives offerings for his kids. And God has blessed him. In this stage of his life, he has camels and donkeys and sheep and all kinds of kids and all kinds of great things. And, and God has blessed him. And God also believes in his faith. So much so that in the first part of that chapter, we see Satan enter into the, the throne room of, of God. And God brags on Job. He says, have you noticed my, my servant Job? And Satan gives a challenge. He says, you know what? Of course he loves you. You've blessed him. He has everything he could ever want. He has all, these, all this wealth and all, and all these things. You know what? You take those away and he'll curse you. That's what Satan tells God. And so God gives Satan permission to impact Job's life. He says, go ahead and take the material things from his life, but you can't, you can't touch Job himself. And so we pick up in verse 13. We see what Satan does to Job. It says, one day... When Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, say that, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. What a horrible day. Everything gone. 
one right after the next while he was still speaking. Like, like it couldn't even, like there was no time for Job to even absorb what was happening. It was like, all your oxen are gone. All your donkeys are gone. Oh yeah, by the way, all your camels are gone. Oh yeah, by the way, all your sheep and servants are gone. Oh yeah, by the way, all your kids are gone. One right after another. And there's some key takeaways from Job here that we can take. One, he was living a righteous life, a right life before God. Like we can recognize here that that as we look at the scriptures, that just because Job was living right doesn't mean he's exempt from the troubles and the struggles of life. He was a good person, yet God allowed devastation in his life. Job was left with asking why. In fact, that's the whole rest of the book. Is Job is, 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 is asking God why. He has three friends who are horrible friends who keep telling him, oh, it's because you've sinned, you need to repent. And Job's like, no, you don't understand. I've, I've done everything God has asked me. And so he's asking God, like, God, explain to me why you've done this. Why am I going through all of this? Yet even with that, even with the questioning, he was still grateful to God. We see it in verse 20. Right after all these things happened, it says, At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job was at a place in his relationship with God that he said, You know what? God gives And God takes. But let's praise his name anyways. Even if all my camels are gone, I'm going to praise God's name. Even if all of my kids are killed in a horrible accident, I'm going to praise the name of God. Today's title of our message is Grateful Even If. Grateful Even If. We want to talk about what does it look like to honor God, to be grateful, to give, to serve, to love God, even if the horrible happens. See, everyone deals with these even if problems and they can tax us emotionally and spiritually and relationally and financially. It's the loss of a job. It's the car that's broken down. It's the house that needs repairs. It's the medical bill that was unexpected. It's the injury that happened on the job. It's the being relocated by the job to, to leave your community and your, and, your, and your friends. It's the relationship that's broken by that one comment that yeah, you probably just shouldn't have said. It's all of these things that we run into. It's, it's inflation in the economy. It's getting scammed by someone on, the mar- on marketplace. It's, it's all of these things. It's, it's when our childcare gets canceled in the middle of the week because something's going on over there. It's, it's taxes that you owe. We, there's all these different things that we run into just in normal everyday life that are even if situations that, that put us in a place where we have to choose, are we going to be grateful even if? Are we going to be grateful even if the worst happens, even if I feel like God is, is not there? Is, is my faith in God such of, of, of Job where I say, you know what? God gives and God takes, but I'm going to praise his name. 
See, for Job, it didn't stop there. If you continue on into, into chapter 2, Satan goes back to God and says, you know, and God says, did you notice my servant Job? He, he took everything you threw at him and he's still praising my name. And Job said, yeah, you know what? You take his health and he'll curse you. And so God gives him permission again. And he says, all right, you can affect his health. You can't kill him, but you can affect his health. And so Job is covered with sores and boils and, and all of these things all over his body. And in chapter 2, verse 9, we see his wife say this to him. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Like he's at the lowest of the lows. Everything's gone. The kids are dead. He's practically naked in ash and he's got sores and boils all over him. And she says, just curse God and die. And look at Job's response. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. See, oftentimes when we go through these things, when we're hit with problems, we can seclude ourselves. We can wallow in our self-pity. We can hide our problems from others. We can, we can put on a good face and pretend everything's all right. We can, we can get caught up in depression. We can pull ourselves out of community and run away. We can feel that we're all alone, that nobody understands what we're going through, that we're the only one that's, that's gone through this. We can go into survival mode. And we can even lose our faith. We can even become like Job's wife and say, you know what? I'm just going to curse God. Because none of this is okay. Because this is too hard. Because it hurts. It's possible to bear the weight of everything and pull back from your support systems, pull back from your friends, even your faith. It's easy to feel ashamed if you're going through something. You may feel like it's your fault. That people will judge you. People will talk behind your back. But here's what I want you to hear. When your circumstances change, seek the Lord. When your circumstances change, seek the Lord. Job shows us that it doesn't matter what's happening. He says, God gives and God takes. I'll accept good from God and I'll accept bad from God. Because God is ultimately in control. And so I will praise his name even if all of these things happen. It's times of hardship like this that will actually grow us, that God can use to, to strengthen our faith. It says it in James 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Ooh, that's easy to say, right? But do any of you think of like, oh, I got a flat tire. How joyful I am. <laughs> we need a new roof. Nobody thinks that, but that's hard. But that's what James is saying is when these opportunities come, when, when hardship comes, when struggles come, this is actually a time for great joy. Why? Because verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. If you want to grow closer to God, if you want to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, then embrace the struggle. Embrace the hard time. Embrace the suffering doesn't mean you're excited for it and you're looking for it and you're putting yourself in situations that are bad. No, but when that comes, as James says, look, as it, look at it as an opportunity for great joy, for God is going to do something in you 
that you probably never thought could happen. I wanted to do something a little unique with this message. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever kind of preached like this, um, but I'm just going to, I mean, really from this point on, it's kind of personal testimony and how, what God has taught me through that. Um, I, I thought, what a great message, because my family, um, we have gone through a lot recently. And uh, I looked at this opportunity to just share that and to hopefully give you some hope and some encouragement, um, because I know it's not easy. Um, in June of 2022, my wife, Patty, was let go from her job. And she was unemployed for 14 very long months. And it was the toughest 14 months of our lives. It actually, a lot of the struggles that we had actually started before that uh, with some with our, with our kids as they were struggling through school and struggling with mental health. And we, were, we, were, we thought we were doing good. We were walking with them day by day and we were trying to support them and, and do what they needed. And, and quite honestly, from a financial perspective, we were like the most adult we'd ever been. You should have seen our spreadsheet for our budget. We were like, we're on it. We're like, we're saving money and we're paying down debt. Look at us being adults. It only took, you know, 40 some years or something like that. But, you know, we're, we're there. It's okay. So we thought we were doing well. And, and then this hit. And she doesn't have a job. And, and we've experienced that before. During COVID, uh, she was laid off as well. And, and we trusted in God. And so... We just thought, okay, that's what this is going to look like again. We're just going to trust in God. Little did we know how long we would be trusting in God. It started with strong faith. Patty had to claim unemployment. And so we started that process. And, and that was helpful. We cut expenses. You know, we looked at what, what don't we need. We don't need Netflix anymore. We don't need Disney Plus. We can get rid of this. What are the things we don't really need? We cut expenses. We incurred debt. We started, you know, living, we had to live beyond our means because we were used to two incomes. Our, continu our kids continued to struggle in school. We still had those things that we were working through. We were supporting them. We were doing our best. It was hard to do ministry. If I'm just transparent with you, it was hard for me to do ministry. I didn't want to preach. I had opportunities to preach. And I said, no, I didn't think I could. I was not at a place where I felt like, hey, I can encourage people. <laughs> I didn't want to. And, and the devil used that in a really negative way because it, it started out as like, you know, I, I can't preach because we don't know what's happening and I may have to be somewhere and, and things are shifting right and left. And, and then it turned into this thing where like I was afraid to preach because, because when, <laughs> when we're up here, we got a big target on our back. And every, every time I preach, there, there's something, there's a struggle, there's a, there's a thing that happens. It's either relational or it's, it's in our family or, or something like that happens. And, and, and I just, I was like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have my armor on. I can't, I can't go out there and put a target on my back. I was afraid. The unemployment ran out. We put on happy faces. We said, we're doing good. We're hanging in there. We incurred debt. We had many enlightened conversations in our home, me and Patty, about our money. Enlightened conversations. 
We had blessings along the way. There were good, really good times. People offered to pay for meals for us, and, and there were really good blessings. There were people who, who prayed for us nonstop. They gave us gifts. We had arguments about job searches. One of my not most famous or, or happy times that I remember, making my wife cry in the bathroom as we talked about what are we doing? How are we going to survive this? It's too much. We can't keep going down this path. I felt like we were bleeding, just like bleeding money, <laughs> bleeding depression, just bleeding everything. We were just, we were just at our, ends, uh, our wit's end. Patty had to work through feelings of doubt and self-worth and depression and there were times where I was helpful and there were times where I wasn't and it was hard. It put stress on our marriage. We incurred debt. We cried out to God to see if there was anything, maybe, maybe there was something, you know, like, like Job's friends said, like, you just have sin, you need to repent. We cried out, we said, God, is there anything we're doing, anything that we're doing that we need to stop, anything that we need to confess, is there, is there any way that we can put a stop to this? Like, is it on us? And we cried out. Nothing. Months go on. Quite a few times, I went into panic mode. Uh, you know, I, I praise the Lord that we bought our house like 20 years ago, and the way the economy has gone, we have some equity. And there were times where I was like sitting in my truck, and I'm like, we just got to sell our house. Just sell our house and move somewhere where it's less expensive, and we'll take care of this. And like, like, because otherwise, we're not going to be able to make it. And anxiety would build up in me, and I would just, I would get to this point, I'd have to call Patty, I'm like, let's go, we got to do this. We can't keep living like this. Thankfully, we had progress with our kids. We pulled them out of bad situations in schools. We saw their mental health get better. We went on a vacation that we couldn't afford, but we needed as I was thinking about this and preparing for this message to share with you, I was, I was looking through pictures and I look at that vacation and there's this picture of us and we're, we're all getting ready to go on this like uh, whale watching thing and it's really cool. And, and we're, but it's this picture of the four of us and we're all smiling, but I look and I'm like, we're not really happy. We're just faking it. Because like for me, I can look in my eyes in that picture and it's like, yeah, look at us on vacation. Debt, 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 debt. In case you haven't noticed, that's a big deal for me. Like, it's not something I like, not something I want. I would, I would spend mornings, I'd come in before everybody, I'd spend mornings in my office crying on the floor, asking God to stop the bleeding, to stop the pain, to do something, to do anything. It felt like it would never But God is faithful. God is good. In September, Patty got a job, and God has been taking care of us. Our kids are probably the healthiest they've ever been. And uh, we, we're, we're back on our adult spreadsheet. It's awesome. We're like, hey, look at this. We're going we're gonna to change this. And God is good. And it's not because of us. It's because of God's faithfulness. But I'll tell you what, 14 months is a really long time. It's a really, really, 
really long time. But God is faithful. God is, God is so good. So the first thing I want you to, to know that we learned through this season is that you have to look through the right lenses. Patty let me borrow her glasses. So I'm going to put these on. And guys, I can see into the future. This is awesome. I'm sorry, Patty. That's not nice. No, you have to change. You have to, <laughs> you have to look through the right lenses. When you're going through seasons that are hard, you have to look through the right lenses. It's so easy to just look right down where you are, look in your situation, have blinders on, and go, this is the worst. It's never going to get better. But you have to put on these different lenses and look through the eyes of God. I know I look crazy with these things on, but you know what? So do you as I look through here. <laughs> You have, to, you have to look through different lenses. I've got to be careful. I'm going to fall off the stage. You look through different lenses. Look through the lens of God. See how God sees. Peter tells us that like one day is a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like one day. Like God's timing is, is nothing compared to our timing. Like he just sees things in completely different ways than we do. And so we have to change the lens that we look through when we're in this hard season. I was trying to look for, for an example. Like what does this look like? And I looked in 2 Corinthians. I love this. The Macedonian church. The Macedonian church, Paul brags on them in chapter 8. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Isn't that crazy? The Macedonians were, were experiencing persecution they were experiencing poverty. They were losing money. They were not, like, their jobs were going away because they were following Jesus Christ. And, and in the Macedonian area, in this, in this city, in this area, like, like, everybody else was like, no, worship the idols. What are you talking about? There's only one God. What are you talking about? We can't worship idols. What are you talking about? We can't have these, these, these other gods. And so they were, they, were, they were feeling afflicted. They were being persecuted, and they were losing their income. Yet, they had overflowing joy. And I love it. It said their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Has your poverty ever welled up in generosity? It can happen. And he says, verse 3, For I testify, they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. They saw through a different lens. They looked out and they said, you know what? We can be a part of what God is doing. Even though we're poor, even though we're persecuted, even though we don't have much, we can give. And we can be a part of what God is doing. They used a different lens to figure out God's math. I found this quote. It's from Jill Foley-Turner. I love this. She says, The creator God who formed this world with incredible mathematical complexity doesn't play by his own mathematical rules. In this world, God created 10 minus 1 equals 9. If we needed all 10 of something, there would be a problem in giving one away. But in God's economy, 
The economy that fed 5,000 with five small loaves of bread and two fishes, 10 minus 1 equals 10 plus. When we give something to God, amen. When we give something to God, we don't lose. We gain something. The privilege of participating in his work, the sheer joy of giving, and ultimately the blessing of fellowship in eternity with those who benefited from our gifts. When we give one away in God's math, it equals 10 plus. Because we get to participate in what he's doing. We get to participate in the work of the kingdom of God. Not just in our own life, but in the lives of many others. Through all of this that Patty and I and our family went through, we never stopped tithing. We gave to feed 5,000. We didn't give a whole lot, but we gave. We gave to Food for Hope because we know kids need food. We recognize that, you know what? Yeah, we're incurring debt, but you know what? Some people can't even do that. Some people don't even have the ability to take on some debt for some time and say, you know what? We'll get up out of this. And so we gave. We never stopped tithing. We paid for our kids to go to camps and to retreat because we knew how important it was for them to know the Lord. We had great donations that happened. Our kids fundraised. They recognized like, hey, we got to put in our work. And they did that. And there were, there were people who helped pay for us. But, but when we needed to, we, we, it was like, that's a debt we're okay with. We're going to give. We're going to be like the Macedonians who give cheerfully and, and ridiculously out of our extreme poverty. Like we were okay to do that because it's possible to have great joy and peace through adversity and affliction. It's possible to honor God even when you don't have a lot. Even when you don't have any, it's possible to honor God. Hear this, suffering does not negate the need to thank God. And that's what our giving is. It's worship. It's gratitude. It's saying, thank you, God. Even though I don't have enough, even though we're incurring debt, even though, even if, thank you. Thank you for what you are giving me because it comes from you. Here's, here's the danger. See, it's easy to justify your stopping of giving. It's easy to say, you know what? We're, we're in a really hard place. I'm just going to stop giving to the Lord right now. We've got, we've got some, some bills that we didn't expect that have come up, and so I'm just going to, I'm going to shift that money over, and we're just going to do that right now. God understands. It was really easy for me to look at that tithe that we gave every single paycheck and go, that's, that's money that will like reduce the bleeding. That's money we could use. Because I don't know how long this is going to go. In month 14, <laughs> it was really easy to say, you know, I can justify this. But I don't see that scripturally. I don't see where God says, in the tough times, stop honoring me. In the difficulty, stop serving me. In the struggle and in the pain, stop worshiping me. I don't see that. In fact, Wayne Max says it like this. He says, in my opinion, the idea that we should postpone generous giving to the church until our debts are paid or until we get a raise or until the children are grown up or until we have bought a house is contrary to scripture. We may be able to give more then, but we ought to give generously now. This isn't always easy, but it requires faith. 
that God will provide, that God is who he says he is. And when we put on the new lens and we look at life through those lenses and we say, I know who God is. God is the God who, who gave manna to the Israelites in the wilderness. I mean, he rained down bread. And not just like any bread, but like really good bread. It tastes like honey and like all this good stuff. And, and it was enough every single day. And, and, and it was everything that they needed every single day. That's who our God is. So when we talk about, can, we, can I give when God gives to me? Absolutely. We, know, we recognize that he's the one in control. And we take on this attitude of Job and we praise him in the good and we praise him in the bad. Another thing that we learned through our time of struggle was that giving is an act of gratitude. I was reminded of the widow's might in Mark 12 when Jesus witnessed this widow. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. This, this widow, she brings these two small coins, these little Greek coins, and they, they equal together, they equaled about one sixty-fourth of a day's wages. I was like, that's not much. Like, what is that today? So I looked it up. Federal minimum wage, $7.25 an hour. You work an eight-hour day, that's 90 cents. There's inflation for you. That's all she had. And it wasn't like she said, oh, okay, I have 90 cents, so I'll tithe. Here's nine cents. And she gave it all. Because she trusted in the Lord. And what's so interesting about this is she's a widow. She's a widow. She's, she's one of, of, of the, the most vulnerable people. It's, it's not like a widow today. But in those times, it was, a, it was a patriarchal society. Men provided. Men were the ones who worked and provided for home. So if there was a woman and her husband died and she didn't have any kids, like she had no way of providing for herself. The, the word, now this is in, in Greek in the New Testament, but, but this word widow in, in the Hebrew, because when you look throughout the Bible, God cares about the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. I mean, like all the time. You see it in Leviticus, all these, all these laws about how they're supposed to protect them and take care of them. And, and that same word in the Hebrew oftentimes could be translated as poor. So in this, when it says the poor widow, it's like the poor, poor. Like she's not just poor, she's poor, poor. She doesn't have anyone that can, that can help her. She can't work. She, the best she can do is beg for money. And what she gets, she recognizes comes from God, and she, she puts it into the offering. This widow who's in the lowest position, she puts on these new lenses and says, you know what? God is faithful. God will take care of me. God gave me these two coins. He could give me more. God can, can, can take care of what I need. He can make sure I have food today. He can make sure I have a, a safe place to sleep. She's looking, looking through these, these new lenses. Made me think of our, our InnovAge campus, our senior campus. 
Uh, we went there this last week. We had an ice cream social. It was really fun. We got to meet a lot of them. They, they come and, I mean, they watch the 11 o'clock service online and uh, say they're, they're watching right now. Say hi to Invage. Hi, Invage. There we go. Uh, we love you. And, and this, is, this is a group of people who are living in, in senior housing. It's, it's, it's reduced rate, senior housing. It's, it's because these are people who are on fixed incomes. And we started this because we're like, we know there are people who have a tough time getting out of home. And, and so they've got a theater room with a TV and let's send over some volunteers and let's put on the live stream and, and they can watch and be a part of church. How amazing is that? You know what we didn't do? And I say, shame on us, shame on me. We didn't send an offering box. Shame on me. Because, we're, you know, the first thought is like, well, maybe, you know, maybe they don't have. And like a week goes by, two weeks, and, and my mom who, who volunteers over there, lives there, and, and she says, we need an offering box. These people want to give. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they want to give? Okay, so we bought a, a locked lock box and, and every week she brings it here and we transfer those funds into the into our giving boxes and it's just such a beautiful thing. These are people who are on fixed incomes. These are people who, who are maybe like the widow, who may be widows or widowers, who maybe don't have a whole lot, but they're giving out of what they have because they want to honor God because they love him because they worship him because they're thankful in their hearts to him because they can see through a lens that God is faithful that God moves it was so cool as we sat there that the ice cream social we got to talk with people and hear some of their stories and I mean I mean these are people who have gone through a lot and like so it, I don't know it just carries weight when an older saint tells you like God is faithful Right? It's not just something they read in a book. It's something they've walked through. It's something they've experienced. I like how Charles Spurgeon said it. He said, God has a way of giving by the cartloads to those who give away by shovelfuls. Isn't that cool? The, something that Patty and I experienced is in, in our time of struggle, in our time of only one income, in our time of incurring debt and going, I don't know how long this is going to, like, like God was faithful every step of the way. There was never a time where I feared that my kids couldn't eat. There was never a time where I feared that they wouldn't have any clothes or a house. Many times I had to put on a different pair of lenses and just thank God. And say, God, you know what? There's lots that I don't have, but there's so much more that I do. I have love. I have friends. I have a family. I have you, Jesus. I have grace in my life. And I would put on this new lens and, and it would help me get through as I'm, as I'm looking that all these things that I don't have, it doesn't matter. And then when I would get done with all of that thank you and that gratitude, I was welled up and I was like, how could I not give? Like, how could I, I mean, seriously, how could I not give? What would be the cost if I didn't? What would be the impact to ministry if I didn't give to the church, 
to Thorn Creek Church? Is it possible that if I didn't give, then, then one of our budgets would be low and then we couldn't reach someone for Jesus? That's possible. But my God is faithful, so I gave. The biggest thing we learn is to trust in the faithfulness of God. I remember talking to the staff one morning. We had a rough night. It was a rough morning. And I was just kind of like unloading on, you know, they were there listening and just supporting me and, and, and being in a shoulder to kind of cry on. And, and at the end of it all, I, I got and I was, you know, I just said, like, here's all this stuff and it's horrible and it stinks, but God is good. And I remember Faith looking at me and she's like, wow, like all that and you land there. And I'm like, yeah, all that and I land there. Because Psalm 119 says like this, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. That's our God. God is good, and he does only good, and he is faithful. He is faithful through the mountains and through the valleys. He is faithful. See, I had the right lenses on that morning. Some mornings it was tough to have the right lenses on, but that morning I had the right lenses on, and I recognized that God is faithful in all that he does. It doesn't matter what comes your way. He is your savior. It doesn't matter what job you lost. He is able to provide. He is the one who gives. Our God owns everything. He's the one who created the world, the universe. There's nothing outside of his reach. God is faithful to me and God is faithful to you. God will carry you through what you're going. God will be there when you need him. God will never forsake you. God will never leave you alone. Even when it feels like it, even when it's a cloudy day and you're like, God, where are you? And you feel like Job and you're sitting in the ashes. God is with you. God is faithful in every circumstance. You could go through 14 months of incurring debt. You could go through two years of pain and struggle. You could be like the woman who was struggling for 12 years with a health issue and God will see you. God knows you and he is with you. He is with you. And so we can sing with the psalmist. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. That's our God. That's our God. That's your God. When I look at all the hardships that we've been through, it just comes down to the fact that we choose to look through this lens. We choose to say, I want to see it like God sees it. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. If you want to take things away from me, okay. If you want me to go through this struggle, okay. Because I know you're good and you do only good. I know there will be good that comes from it. Maybe the strengthening of my faith, maybe strengthening of my family, maybe an opportunity to give a testimony. All of those things. Do like the Macedonians did. You have a choice today. You have a choice. You can pick which lens you want to look through. But do like the Macedonians did. And give yourself first to the Lord. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Recognize that he went to the cross for every single sin that you've ever committed, every single sin you ever will commit, the sin that separates you from God, that keeps you away. See, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But while we were still sinners, 
God sent his only son to die for us. So you put your faith in Jesus. Because he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated sin and he gives you new life. You are a new creation in him. Give yourselves first to the Lord and then give every part of your life to him. Your relationships, your thoughts, your actions, your finances. Every single part. Honor God. Praise him and thank him even if, even if the bottom falls out. Even if the bottom falls out. Praise him in the good and praise him in the bad. Here's your step. We have this QR code. QR codes on all the, the chairs. And uh, you, can, you can make that choice to give today. Maybe you've been in that situation where you kind of like, I'm going to justify not giving anymore. Or maybe you're in that situation you've never given before. And this, this QR code will take you right to our giving form and you can do that. Um, and I want to remind you, the, the QR codes on our chairs, we're going to use them for all kinds of things. So right now it's for giving. Um, the next message, it may be some other form or some other thing for you to do. Um, but we're going to do that. And I just want to encourage you. God is faithful. I stand up here telling you, I've walked through it. I've seen his goodness. I've looked through the lenses and he is good. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. I thank you for who you are. Oh. I thank you that, that even though, even if everything falls apart, you're still faithful and you're still good. Maybe you're here today and you need to make that first choice of just giving yourself to the Lord. Just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner that needs grace. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn to you and I give you my life. I give you all of my life. Take over, God. Take over. God, I lift up every single person who gives. And I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you show them your faithfulness. I lift up everyone who doesn't give as well. God, show them your faithfulness. Don't play favorites. Just, just be who you are, God. Be who you are and show your faithfulness. We put our trust in you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.